What's up, everybody? Monday, December 6th, 5.54 Pacific Standard Time. We have Billy Ray Mitchell here on the last leg, the final, it's the final countdown on his time in California, in San Diego. We have Grayson up north, just a hair in Los Angeles. And then we have Pat Finn, it hashtag a homeowner. He is heading downstairs uh, right now in Charlotte. We are the Sons of Saturday. And this is, oh, upstairs, actually. I got the hand signal. He's going upstairs. Um, but yeah, we're the Sons of Saturday, and we're here to talk about, there's a lot going on. We got women's basketball, men's basketball, wrestling, football, conference championships. I mean, this is the first time, really, we're getting on here, and we just get to sit around the campfire and talk about everything that's going on, because there are a ton of things going on. Uh, and you know who else has got it going on? Main Street Pharmacy on Main Street in Blacksburg. Those guys and gals have got it going on. Whether you need to go get your vaccine, whether you need to go and get some knickknacks for Christmas, whether you need to go get some orange juice. Anytime I start getting a cold, I go get some orange juice and I drink a gallon of orange juice like over the next 48 hours. Go do that. It works. I'm telling you it works. But if it's a little worse than that, maybe you got strep throat, maybe you got a little, you know, stomach bug. He can fulfill your prescriptions and he can take care of you and tell you what you need and get you nursed back to health and back doing whatever you love to do, whether it's podcasting, watching football, going for hikes, going skiing, whatever, the Main Street Pharmacy. We'll hold it down for you. Wow. One of my best opens, I think. No question about that. Little pat on the back. Speaking of pats, going to pat. God, I'm killing it. Back to Pat. Pat. (laughs) Hokey haiku. (laughs) Go ahead and kick us off with some hokey haikus here. Is the word humility in your dictionary? (laughs) Nope. All right. Uh, We got two haikus. Number one, coming in. Our friend Travis Dye, the gobble shots tailgate. He says, Pry is our new man. New York, New York is the place. Thankful for answers. Travis Dye always holds it down. Good job, Travis. Appreciate it. Travis Dye is a very, very, very fantastic poet. Thank you, TD. And then uh, I, I wrote this one a few days ago. We are so happy. Not the military bowl. Yankee Stadium. Dude, we're going to talk about the bowl game. We're going to talk about a plethora of different things, but you guys haven't heard from us for a while. Uh, the last Since the last time we've talked, we have gone ahead and hired a football coach at, the, at Virginia Tech. His name is Brent Pry. He is the defensive coordinator, former defensive coordinator from Penn State and was at Virginia Tech under Coach Beamer and Coach Foster as a GA Back in the late 90s, back when Virginia Tech played in the Sugar Bowl, he was on that team. He's in that picture. You've seen the blown up pictures of the team photo in New Orleans. You see it. You see it. So, Pat, why don't you kick it off with uh, kind of coaching in Blacksburg and uh, what you think of the coach pry hire? I guess this is kind of like hokey history, but head coach history. How about that? I like it. HCH. Brent Pry. On April 1st, 1970, Brent Pry was born in Altoona, Pennsylvania. And uh, he played ball at Maryville College for a year. 
played college ball at Buffalo uh, after he, he uh, was at Maryville, was a safety. Height and weight not listed on the Wikipedia page. Uh, but then he began his coaching career after he graduated from Buffalo. Um, spent some time at East Stroudsburg coaching on the defensive side of the ball, which is where he became acquainted with James Franklin. Uh, after East, East Stroudsburg in 95, he joined the Virginia Tech uh, Hokies as a graduate assistant uh, until 97. Then he spent some time at Western Carolina on the D-line um, and then moved over to defensive backs and special teams. So, uh, you know, he's coached every position on the defense. Uh, from 2002 to 2006, he was the assistant head coach slash defensive coordinator who oversaw linebackers at Louisiana Lafayette. That's kind of a, a buzzword uh, over the last few weeks, Louisiana Lafayette. Another buzzword coming up at you uh, from 2009 or 2007 to 2009, Memphis. I saw some people <laughs> saying funny things about uh, coach because he had Memphis ties, but um, that was on the D line. One year at Georgia Southern as the defensive coordinator slash safeties coach. Three years at Vanderbilt as the co-defensive coordinator as, and uh, assistant to coach Franklin, overseeing linebackers. And then Penn State from 2014 to 2021. Uh, including being the associate head coach, co-defensive coordinator, linebackers coach, and then he left Penn State as the um, as the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach. In 2022, will be his first year, first full year as the head coach of the Virginia Tech Hokies. But I mean, he's got those connections. A lot of them, you know, a lot of his college coaching career is attributed to the mentorship uh, and being with James Franklin, um, which is interesting, you know, because Hokie fans, we all feel a certain way about James Franklin. You know, some, some like him more than others. I know Grayson does not like James Franklin. Yeah. Not um, a fan. But James Franklin knows how to recruit, knows how to get good talent in the door. Um, you know, was reading one of the write-ups here from last week. Uh, this one was by uh, Pittsburgh Sports, or uh, the website's called DK Pittsburgh Sports. The writer is Corey Geiger, and he did a pretty solid write-up on Coach Pry. But he says, "I can say two things without hesitation about Pry. One, he's an excellent football coach. I recently wrote that he was the most valuable member of the Penn State program, so that could give anyone a good indication of how important he's been to the Nittany Lions. Two. He's an excellent person, smart, funny, down to earth, just a regular guy you would enjoy sitting down to have a beer with and talking about football or anything else. Um, I've definitely seen that so far. I know it's been what a week, um, but coach Pry, Brent Pry is our new head coach. And before we, you know, get into it a little bit more, I got to give a, a, a premature sharky shout out to my friend, Chris Burns. Now, Tech, first week of November, we go up to Boston College, you know, score three points on a Friday night. And my buddy Burns is like, dude, you guys need to hire Brent Pry. You guys need to go after Brent Pry. And I said, who's Brent Pry? I look up Brent Pry, defensive coordinator at Penn State, looks like a guy. And he's like, listen, Penn State has been recruiting Virginia for a while now, and they've been recruiting Virginia very well. And that is because of Brent Pry, you know. He knows the Mid-Atlantic. 
He knows the DMV. He knows Richmond. And uh, you guys should get him. And sure enough, I don't remember who broke the original news, but um, some people were underwhelmed at the original news before they started reading and, you know, kind of understanding why this is a good fit. And now just one week later, we are ready to go. So I am excited. I think uh, <clears throat> on, uh, in the, in the, in light of sons of self-reflection, a lot of people may dislike James Franklin because James Franklin, quite frankly, just takes all the good players that we would hope would come to Virginia tech. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting to, have someone that is the right hand of a coach who's, you know, just signed a 10 year contract at Penn state has done a good job at Penn state. Um, you know, I think he's been around a lot of good culture, learned a lot of good things and obviously is very familiar recruiting the area. So, you know, we'll kind of go around and talk about kind of our general feelings, but Grayson kind of walk me through how you, uh, view the hire at first and then kind of how you, uh, how you view it now. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest with everyone. Uh, Pat Billy ran our group chat. We were, we saw it, and I, I I was kind of the first one to respond. I said I'm I'm a little indifferent about it because I just didn't know anything about him. I didn't know anything about Coach Pry at all. Uh, did a little bit of research, and after doing said research, I am pretty damn excited about it. Uh, Coach Pry, like Billy Ray said, was a graduate assistant on the 1995 Sugar Bowl team who. Coach J.C. Price happened to be on when we beat Texas 28 to 10. Um, phenomenal team. You know, it's it's. I think it speaks volumes. You saw in his introductory press conference, he kind of made a recall to Coach Beamer and Coach Foster and got emotional during that recall, which is awesome. Um, I think it's going to speak volumes. People are kind of watching him, building out his support staff. That's going to just happen over time, probably over the next month. Uh, we already saw two new hires, Coach Derek Jones out of Texas Tech and then Coach Sean Quinn. Uh, they're currently positionless on the staff, in the staff directory. Uh, it makes me wonder if Coach uh, Coach Jones will eventually be the defensive coordinator. Who knows? Uh, just touching on recruiting in general, Brent Pry can recruit. I want to take a look at this real quick. All-time commits, all of these were at, at Penn State. He was the primary recruiter for Micah Parsons at a Harrisburg PA five-star line or uh, defensive end. Then out of Louisa County, Brandon Smith, Mineral, Virginia, five-star kid, linebacker. Curtis Jacobs, four-star. Devin Ford, Hokies know his name. He was the secondary recruiter for Devin Ford, another four-star out of Virginia. So Coach Pry can recruit. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will. That's that has huge implications. He came out in his press conference, said we're going to recruit the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hokies love to hear that. So, so far, dude, he's saying and doing all the right things. Any new head coach is going to do that. I always said after the former regime, I wanted a guy kind of like Mike Young, who's going to come in and shake hands, kiss babies. And he seems like that kind of guy. You saw him at Castle Coliseum. He comes out, gets a huge crowd pop. The fans are into it. It sounded like freaking Stone Cold Steve Austin in the 90s walking out to Broken Glass. So at first I was indifferent. Now knowing what I know, I'm very, very excited about it. Pat Finn, how do you feel about it, man? I, yeah, I, just, I wanted to jump in real quick there. I know Hokies FB put it out on Instagram of the ovation. And how he just commanded the audience there. Uh, 
during, you know, the first media timeout at the tech basketball game. I mean, if you have not watched it, if you haven't seen it, go ahead and watch it because, you know, I heard, I heard from some folks at the game that it was, it was great. But after actually seeing it, him commanding the crowd in that very cool leather jacket, um, it was awesome. I was like, wow, this guy, this guy's getting me really fired up. And I'm sure everyone who watched it felt the exact same way. He seemed really comfortable. He seemed just very, very comfortable. And, you know, comes out and says, oh, it's great here to be in Castle Coliseum. Uh, you know, he kind of sh- made a little shout out to the student section. He's like, I can already tell I'm really going to like you guys. That's huge. Obviously, student involvement is a huge part of the experience in Lane Stadium. Um, but I mean, just, I, I watched the video, at least at, of the men's game and it was, it was loud. It was very, very loud. So, yeah, I'll say this. I mean, in terms of, and, you know, especially given the context of what, like, look, do press conferences win football games? No. Do halftime speeches win football games? No, but he has done everything right. And Virginia tech has done everything right from a PR standpoint, since he has accepted the job, it has been one of the pain points for me. Um, <clears throat> for years has been uh, PR and how, how we've done some of the stuff, uh, whether it's coaching announcements or player departures or, <clears throat> or anything. Tech's done a phenomenal job at this. And uh, Coach Pry's personality has been shining uh, since accepting the role. I'm excited. There's a lot of reasons to be excited. And especially, like, go back and, and view. And again, this has no impact on winning football games, but if you go ahead and you go watch uh, Coach, I can't even remember his name from uh, from Louisiana Lafayette, who just got hired at Florida, Billy Napier's press Napier. conference at Florida. I mean, he he had a disaster press conference. Brent Venables, not an awesome press conference at Oklahoma. Um, and again, uh, he's done a really good job. Texas did a really good job marketing him, uh, and I'm excited. Uh, there's a reason to be excited, and um, yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm fired up. I really am. Yeah. Um, sitting, you know, speaking on the press conference, I was sitting at the waiting room at the dentist's office, not John, not Dr. Cran, unfortunately, uh, here in Charlotte, found a new dentist and was watching on my phone. And it was right about where he gave, you know, his tribute to coach Beamer and coach Foster and recognizing, you know, the, the impact that they had on him and that Virginia tech was at the top of the list of, of places that he would leave Penn state for. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that says a lot about him um, knowing that, I mean, it seems like this dude is really, really bought in. Um, you know, you look at so many jobs around the country that, you know, it's, it's becoming quite a money grab from all of these different universities, you know, whether it's Miami and Cristobal, 8 million a year, or Brian Kelly getting a hundred million or Lincoln Riley's contracts, you know, uh, <laughs> Mel Tucker, nine, nine plus million a year. It, it's becoming insane. It is becoming quite ridiculous. And, and coach prize seems like a guy that you're not going to have to pay him, you know, gobs of money for him to stay because he loves Virginia tech. So I was, I was excited about that. Um, and then a couple other quick things uh, that I wanted to touch on Billy height, coach height, I believe coach height. Uh, he, he, well, he was our running backs coach for, you know, decades. And he sent dozens of running backs to the NFL coach height was the, I think it was Mike Barber who tweeted it, but coach height was the person who 
offered Coach Pry the spot uh, as a GA after Coach Pry like you know called like hundreds of times. Um, I, I think like just the folks who were around in the late '90s know what a hard worker and how passionate and invested uh, Coach Brent Pry is, and how you know how he's ready to make this a a forward moving ship here. So that was cool. Um, and I had one more thing that I want to say. I forget what it was, but if it comes to me, I'll, I'll jump in here. But Bill, I know you want to talk about uh, planning. Dude, sales, it's important. 30, 60, 90 day plan, what needs to get done. Um, so we'll start with the 30 days, 30 days. By the way, if you're in sales, have a 30, 60, 90 day plan. Anytime you interview, they'll ask you for it. Be ready, be ready. Um, number one on the 30 day plan, recruit, recruit, recruit. Uh this is not being chalked up to being anyone's fault. It's just kind of the way that it goes. Uh, we lost Jackson LaHue today. We lost DeAndre Martin as well. It looks like he's going to go to South Carolina. Pat, we got Benji Gosnell, uh, Charlotte to Virginia Tech or Hillsville to Virginia Tech. He's a four-star tight end. Um, so he's going to need to recruit, and we've seen him do it. Uh, we've seen him, JC, and the new coaches that he's brought on as well out and about seeing as many guys as possible. So that's going to be huge. Um, Along with that, we'll also need to recruit internally. Some big news uh, today. James Mitchell did declare for the draft. I have to say I'm pretty surprised. Um, I I was kind of holding out hope, thinking that James Mitchell would come back. He declared for the draft. Amari Barno declared for the draft. Trey Turner. Tavion Robinson is transferring. Um, You know, there's going to be a lot of talent that's also going to be coming. And everybody. there's nobody that's off limits. Um, So he's going to have to recruit these guys internally. Uh, I'm sure a lot of guys are waiting to see who's the offensive coordinator going to be. Who's the strength coach going to be? What is this program going to look like? So he's going to need to talk to the team about that. And then another one for the next 30 days, we get a gift by beating the university of Virginia. We received a gift of having more practices that he can go watch. Uh, So roster evaluation, he's going to be able to attend practice, watch film, talk to the current staff and say, Hey, how do you feel about, this player, that player, what is this guy's strengths? What is this guy's weaknesses? What does this guy need to improve upon? Who are the leaders on this football team? Who can I count on? He's going to be able to learn a lot of that, um, which is going to be huge for him to get jumpstart his career. Um, so yeah, that'll be, that'll be huge for the next 30 days, 60 days, next two months. What do we need to get done? Obviously, we're going to need to sign a recruiting class. We already talked about recruiting. He'll need to fill out his staff. Who are the position groups? So the position groups and the coordinators should get done pretty quickly. I'd expect that most of that will be done over the next 30 days. But you're going to need to see who's going to be the strength and conditioning coaches. We've got some extra money for quality control. Who are going to be the quality control guys? Who are going to be the strength and conditioning folks? Who are going to be the nutritionists? All of the people that spend more time with the players than the actual position coaches. Yes, strength coaches and nutritionists and all of these people are extremely important and are going to be a huge part of this program moving forward. And then this is part partially uh, for internal recruiting and part of uh, internal recruiting and still what the new program is going to look like. What are the expectations going to be? What is the schedule going to be? Are they lifting in the morning, lifting in the afternoon? What does training tables look like from a nutritional standpoint, from how often are they going to get their meals? When are they going to get their meals? Um, who are the leaders on this team? Coach Fuente previously had the leadership council 
they had a hand in a lot of things, bringing up to coach issues that uh, players were talking about. What uniforms are we going to wear? Uh, you know, they're going to coach prize going to have to figure out who are the guys that I trust? Who am I going to talk to? Who are the guys that I'm going to listen to from this team? Um, that's all extremely, extremely important and going to need to be figured out here in the near future. And then for the 90 day plan, Pat, I know you have a uh, one point. That's a big question. The only ones that I have, you know, 90 days, good bit away. Um, but you know, longer term questions are going to be who's playing quarterback because we literally have one and a half of them on the roster right now. Uh, who can we get from the portal? Where do we need to get guys from the portal? And recruiting for that next first class, the first class that he has a full cycle for. But Pat, uh, what do you have for the idea plan as well? So something that I'm just very excited about, I know that a lot of former players are excited about it. I know a lot of fans are excited about it. Announcing when the spring game is, and hopefully we know that within 30 or 60 days, I'm really excited for the inaugural Brent Price spring game. Um, we have not had a spring game since 2019. And I feel like the efforts that have been made so far and kind of just like the hype that is going into the Brent Pry era right now, um, th- things are going just well. And I think the spring game will kind of be like the big event, um, kind of like event number one of, hey, Brand new coach, brand new coach, staffers from all over who are brand new to Blacksburg. This is our first opportunity to see, you know, what's going on. Are they going to televise the spring game? You know, will will any media be allowed to go to any of the practices or scrimmages before the spring game in spring ball? You know, that's all exciting stuff that you know we're going to get to see, and it's it's totally different. You know, this is a fan base that, for the most part has only experienced two head coaches and, you know, in 20 year, 27 years of my life, um, you know, I've only known it two ways. So it's, it's a completely blank canvas for coach pride to be able to go out there and do whatever he want. And like, you know, even just kind of thinking about that, it's a different, it's a different um, foundation. It's a lot different of a foundation than what coach Fuente is coming into because Coach Fuente gets hired on in 2015. And obviously, you know, he is an offensive minded guy with offensive staffers that he brought over from Memphis, but still, you know, we, we retained Bud Foster and Bud had his entire defensive staff, um, you know, with the exception that um, a few folks were added on, you know, throughout the next couple of years. And then, you know, about halfway through the tenure, Coach Foster, um, you know, steps down and retires and, you know, you have a little bit of turnover there from a defensive side of the ball perspective. So it's just, uh, it's refreshing to have a completely blank canvas for coach Pry uh, heading in to 2022. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that on all fronts and excited to see how this entire thing comes together uh, for sure. Um, if nobody else has anything else for the pry hire other than look, we're all excited. It's a new chapter in Blacksburg. Um, people are really fired up, um, and excited to see how we close in on this recruiting class and also excited to see how we wrap up the season. Um, no doubt about that. Pat, do you have yeah, one more I'll, thing? I'll have one more thing. I think, um, and listen, like this is, this is going to happen throughout the next, honestly, probably the next two years. Um, 
Well, one, before, before I even go down that path, we can't evaluate the Brent Pry era until we're, you know, a solid couple of recruiting cycles in until we're a solid couple seasons in. So we can really kind of evaluate a body of work. You know, this is, this is college football where it really takes a long time to build some of these things. No, knowing with the era of the portal, it's a little different because, um, you know, you, you can fill a roster a little faster than normal. But um, what I want to say is that the comparisons will be made with uh, with Coach Pry and with Coach Fuente over the next you know couple of seasons, just because this is what we had, this is what's new, this is how we're kind of reflecting and comparing um, the two regimes, and that's just kind of the nature of how this is going to go. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. Sons of losing my train of thought again. Listen, I want to talk about Derek Jones and Sean Quinn, um, but two things, like two guys that are on the staff. Those two, J.C. Price, Coach Pry. That's kind of what we know right now so far. There are some rumors out there about some offensive coaches, but we can talk about that next week or the week after if those come to the surface. Derek Jones, the cheetah, he's he's written his own book. He's coached all over the place. He's got connections. He can recruit. He is a, a guy who has a brand. Like this guy has 75,000 followers on Twitter. You know, he's all over social media. He's posting pictures of the jet. He's posting pictures of his family, you know, um, he's posting quotes every single day, little, little Buzz Williams Easter egg for you there. But, um, you know, here, here's me. I'm going to compare what we know already about this next era of tech football to the previous era. We have three guys, Brent Pry, Sean Quinn, and Derek Jones, who are all over social media and you know what they're doing, you know, where they are, they're meeting with, uh, recruits, they're posting pictures. It's coming out, and fans are are able to like it. They're able to retweet it, and they're able to see it. And that's honestly, it's it's what fans have been wanting the entire time. Um, you know, going from one group of coaches to another, where we're getting so much more exposure, and and the fans can kind of you know feed off of it. Um, so that that's that's one of my initial comparisons of the two regimes so far, and I'm excited for the uh, the social media presence of those three coaches, as pointed out by Matei. Uh, earlier this week, but yeah, we can, we can move on to the next uh, topic now, Bill. Yeah. Next topic, really kind of just touching on it here. Um, Some hokey headlines, Virginia tech wrestling defeated number three, Missouri on the road. Uh, That's huge. I mean, the wrestling team, they had a great showing against Ohio state. They lost a a home duel 13 to 17. Uh, Really, really close to came down to the last, uh, the last two. Um, But they had a, Look, I'm not going to pretend to know what the words are, like a, a double dip or like a double double trouble uh, day uh, in Missouri. Uh, they wrestled Northern Colum- uh, Northern Iowa, who is number 16 and number three. I did not know that Northern Iowa was number 16 in the country. Northern Iowa was number 16 in the country and Missouri was number three in the country. Tech won both on the same day. They defeated Northern Iowa 39 to three. And they defeated Missouri, uh, number three in the country, 18 to 16. Um, so awesome, awesome stuff coming from, from the mat uh, with Virginia Tech wrestling. Uh, Virginia, 10, Virginia Tech men's basketball has struggled as of late after dropping two games to Memphis and Xavier, uh, or the walking corpse of Xavier after having four guys out uh, due to injury or COVID. Um we had a huge win against Maryland. And now after losing 
this next game, uh, we, we the Maryland win is huge for this Tech basketball team. But we dropped a game to Wake Forest at home in our ACC opener. We uh, pretty much got dominated the entire basketball game, uh, eighty to sixty-one. Uh, and the Hokies sit at six and three. Um, Grayson, gonna kick it to you here, just for your thoughts on on Virginia Tech men's basketball right now. I I, I think I think people are overreacting to a couple of losses uh, at the same time. I think this team is just taking its lumps. Kind of how have you viewed this recent little uh, struggle, struggle bus time uh, for Virginia tech men's basketball? Yeah. Uh, you know, it was interesting after, after the wake forest loss. I mean, sometimes you have those games where when it, when it rains, it pours. I, I think back to the Penn state game last season, I believe, where, you know, every single shot that they're putting up, whether it be in the paint or on the perimeter, is just is just going in, and we couldn't stop it. And then we were kind of flat. We were ice cold. Uh, you know, maybe we aren't who we thought we were yet, I guess. Uh, maybe bought into our own hype a little bit. I know there was a lot of preseason hype, and that's not to take away from this team. I still think we're a good basketball team. I understand, though, this is year three of the Mike Young era, and so people are kind of like, okay, you know, we have these talented kids. We have these talented kids. We should probably be producing a little bit more. Um, I think, you know, you you look at our upcoming games. We play Cornell. We play St. Bonaventure. Uh, and then we really start digging into the ACC schedules, and it's like, okay, well, the ACC games are really going to tell us everything we need to know. And we need to win a lot of those to build out a resume. Cause right now, Sam Jesse even said this, we kind of, we're kind of looking like a bubble team. And I, at this point, I tend to agree with that. I don't, I don't think we're uh, just a kind of an automatic buy-in tournament team right now. Um, I think some guys aren't playing like themselves. Um, Keve Aluma, you know, he exuded so much confidence last season and I just, this is one man's opinion. I just haven't seen that from him this year. Maybe he's kind of, you know, he was a top 25 player in the country. Uh, Maybe he's putting pressure on himself to perform a certain way, Um, you know, and, and I guess we can either talk about this now or talk about it a little bit down the line, but uh, people have kind of talked about storm Murphy at the top of the key, Um, you know, talking about the confidence he plays with. Look, dude, Wofford is not, yeah, Wofford's not in the ACC. He's probably not used to playing ACC level talent straight up. Uh, Bill, you talked about this before we jumped on here and press record. You called back to like J Rob, who has a freshman and a sophomore, kind of didn't play with that confidence because he just wasn't used to that level of talent. So I don't, I don't know. I'm uh, anyone who's like, oh, uh, you know. Because I have seen this, I have seen this on the on on the timeline. It's like, I don't know, we might be telling some lies about Mike Young. I'm like, dude, I think it's a little early for that. Like, everyone relax. I think I still think we have a good basketball team, men's basketball team, um, but there's a lot of ball left to be played, so we'll find out. Um, Anyone saying anything about Mike Young's ability to coach basketball is making asinine statements. Here, yeah. here, here. Here's the deal. Like you said, Grace, and I think, I think, I think, yes, this team on paper looked really, really good. 
And I think right now what you're seeing is a player like Storm Murphy um, learning how to play against the talent night in and night out that you see in the ACC, or especially with an extremely difficult out-of-conference schedule. Xavier, Memphis, Maryland, they're probably all going to be playing in March as well. Um, maybe not Maryland, they just fired their coach, but Xavier and uh, Memphis for sure. Um, and we've had a little trouble getting the ball into the paint. I think miss you're really noticing that we're missing Tyrese Radford right now. Uh, his ability to kind of just take the ball with five or six seconds left in the shot clock and make something happen. Um, that's something that we're certainly missing, but look, it's early in the season. And I think this is a team that'll have to grow a little bit. I think Hunter Couture uh, has probably been our MVP, uh, him or Justin Mutz through the beginning. I think Naheem Aline will get better. I think Storm Murphy will get better. Maddox is think- breakout player of the season. Yeah. And uh, and in terms of, of Aluma, I think with him early on, it was to me, it was more of like an asserting yourself thing. I think more times than not, he is the best player on the court. That's just a fact. I think more times than not, he's going to be the best player on the basketball court. Um, and he put up good stats in this Wake Forest game, nine and five, 23 points. But still, um, he needs to play like he's the best player on the court, plain and simple, um, because he's going to be in a lot of these matchups. So, um, you know, we'll see as we move forward. Um, but uh, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bury this team yet. I think there's uh, some more things to be to be said there. We also um, got Dayton. I left that out. We have it's yeah. Cornell, Cornell, Dayton, and then St. Bonaventure. Dayton's going to be a big game. They don't have Obi Toppin to save them, but I, I, I mean, they've been a pretty good basketball team these last couple of years. No doubt about it. No doubt yeah. about it. And then shifting over to uh, the women's team, women's team, I, they had a great crowd. They played at Castle Coliseum on Sunday against the number eleven uh, Tennessee Lady Volunteers, and they lost sixty-four to fifty-eight. A uh, very uncharacteristic game for Liz Kitley. She struggled from the field. Um, Asia Shepard was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but look, Tennessee has been a mainstay in women's basketball for a very, very long time. Uh, and Virginia Tech put out a great effort. They're sitting at 7-2 and two, um, and a lot to build on and a lot to continue to get better at. So uh, Kenny Brooks and the gang, um, looking forward to seeing them uh, enter ACC play and get into the next little bit of their schedule here coming up soon. Um, not that all goes without saying they probably wore the coolest uniform that any sport at any sports team at Virginia tech has worn in years. Um, the throwback cursive letter TV logo, absolutely phenomenal. So, um, but yeah, looking forward to watching them bounce back. Their next game is against Radford on Radford on December 12th. Um, so pop out and check that out. And then uh, we're rolling into ACC play here on the 19th with uh, Florida State in Tallahassee. And the home opener will be on December 30th against Duke. So uh, looking forward to that. In terms of hokey headlines, is that it? That is it for hokey headlines. We're going to move right into bowl season. Pat, Billy Ray, Grayson, we are all excited. Virginia Tech will be playing in Yankee Stadium. Let's go! (laughs) In the Josh Jackson Bowl. No, not actually the Josh Jackson Bowl. It is the Pinstripe Bowl against Maryland. Uh, An old ACC foe. Guys, uh, this is is impromptu, but... Uh, a little. Does anybody have any hokey history? First thing that pops into your mind when you think of Maryland versus Virginia Tech, Pat. We'll start with you. Uh, was it two thousand 
five, maybe. Domination on a Thursday night in Blacksburg, 55 to six. Jimmy Williams pick six. Completely crushed the little turtles. Uh, 2008, Darren Evans. Darren Evans. 253 yards. Thursday night game. Uh, he, he, 253 yards, only one touchdown. Darren, what were we doing? I'm just kidding. He Uh, he trucked that dude. I can't, I I don't even know who it was, but he trucked him. Uh, I I also think be that guy. I think, unfortunately, I, I believe the last time we played them in the fall of 2013, we lost. Uh, and Kendall Fuller had that strip. A sick uh, trip. I remember that. Yeah, he yeah. he stripped it uh, and basically just you know give it to me to whoever that guy was. But we did lose, so definitely a kind of a bad taste in the mouth uh, uh, against the Terrapins from the last time we played them. It's crazy to think it's been, good lord, nearly ten years since we've played them the last time. It definitely does not feel that long. Grayson, um, you remember uh, two thousand nine, the debut. Of the Nike Pro Nike Com- Pro Combats. I watched that game at a Buffalo Wild Wings with my dad and my little brother because they weren't. Sh- you remember it was like everyone had to find that inter- that game on the internet. ESPN three sixty. I don't yep. think we had it. Yep. Ryan Williams had a great day. Um, Danny Cole 30- had a great day. I think thirty six to six was the score. Maybe. It was uh, it was Beamer versus Ralph. Uh, his, his, his good old buddy coach, Ralph. And, and I, I think maybe it was after that season, they let him go or retired or whatever happened there. But, uh, some good games against Maryland over the years, historically, we tend to, to whip up on them, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, I guess it's a revenge game retribution from the 2013 performance. So, uh, and then I know, I know for the Jersey boys, I know for the Jersey boys, you guys are absolutely gas. I know Billy Ray is a New York Mets guy. I through and through. Uh, Pat, I know you're not a huge baseball fan, but look, this game has a lot of implications. Uh, and I guess I can announce this now. I'm going to have um, Pat, uh, Clark Ruland and I are going to run like a 15 minute, 20 minute episode later this week, just talking about when the Yankees came down to Virginia Tech in 2008 after the April 16th tragedy. Uh, the Yankees and the Steinbrenner family donated a million dollars to the Virginia Tech Memorial Fund. Their players, a team that was stacked, by the way, Derek Jeter, A-Rod, Hideki Matsui, all came down to Blacksburg and scrimmaged our baseball team at the time. I think they beat us 11-0. to zero. No yep. one is surprised there. <laughs> uh, but after that, they, they stuck around. They, every single one of them went to the Memorial and then – uh, they signed baseball bats, baseball cards for anyone who could like answer correct Yankee trivia and stuff like that. And you just think about then you know, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to do that. Uh, they wore VT on the side of their hats for a little while, like a few games. And you'll always see those uh, Virginia Tech Yankee uh, colored, or I guess the Yankee hat with the Virginia Tech colors on it. And people always wonder about those. And that's what that's from. Um, so stay tuned for that. I'm I'm excited. Clark sent me a picture. He still has his ticket from that day because of course he does. Who's surprised by that? <laughs> of course he does. Yeah. Um, that was 11, super, wait wait 11, 11 nothing. 
Man, wish we had Angela Tincher on the bump that day. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. What a legend. <laughs> what a legend. Oh, man. No, it, it, wait, wait, really, really it, cool. Now, okay, and, and okay, just for reference for that joke. So Angela Tincher was on the Virginia Tech softball team, and she no-hit. She was a pitcher. She no-hit the USA softball team. Was that also in 2008? I'm just wondering if we're if we're talking about the same. Uh, same I feel time. like it's it's the sa- it's the same ballpark, no pun intended. Uh, same general vicinity of time. Oh, good. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Any any uh, any updates? Pat and Billy Ray. Uh, definitely, you guys should run like a like a short episode or something like with Rex to New York. I know a little. Th- I know, I know Wait, a little okay. about New York. It was March 26th, March 26th, 2008. Tincher pitched a no hitter. Wow. Same here. Ten batters in a one zero exhibition win. What day did the Yankees come? Got to find out. Drum roll. I feel like it was around then. I guess it had to have been. It was probably close to the one. Year. <laughs> it was, it was eight days prior. Wow. There you go. March 18th. That is pretty cool. That's pretty crazy. In that, uh, in the spirit of this, though, look, Pat and I, we've been putting on our thinking caps. We're definitely going to do something. I don't know whether it's dinner. I don't know whether it's we'll do some sort of pizza party. But if you're coming to New York for the Pinstripe Bowl, let us know. Turn on your tweet notifications. Text us. Tweet us. Beep us. You all will have a SIG on your beeper in New York City. <laughs> um, so, you know, let us know uh, and we'll put something pretty cool together here. But we're excited. I I, I assumed that we were going to I assumed that we were going to go down uh, Disappointment Avenue here and get and be in the uh, military bowl. But no, but no, we're going to the military. We're going to the pinstripe bowl in Yankee Stadium. Um, it's going to be great. I'm excited about it. Uh, a couple other notes on that. Trey Turner, Tavion Robinson, Jordan Williams, Amari Barno, and Knox Kadem will not be present. Uh, that is the list as of right now for opt-outs. Um, you know, I think it's very easy to project onto other people what they should or shouldn't do. Uh, I try not to get in that business. Um, but uh, obviously, we wish them all the best in whatever uh, next venture they have. Grayson, I know you have a tidbit on there, or one of our former coaches had a tidbit on there. Yeah, dude. Uh, Coach Bud Foster had had a lot to say about this on, on the Twitter timeline. I'm going to pull this tweet up really quickly here. He was, uh, he, he was talking about the bowl game, and he said, and I quote, this was seven hours ago, I really don't understand college players across the country opting out of their their team's bowl game. For 90% of you, if not higher, that's going to be the last time you'll ever play. Enjoy the experience because it's short. Hashtag finish with your brother. Uh, he is retired now, so he's allowed to say that. Um, I, you know, I, I definitely see both sides to this coin. Uh, I, I understand why. You know, guys like Trey Turner and Jordan Williams and Amari Barno uh, are going to opt out of the bowl game. I get it. Um, also, at the same time, I, I am kind of a traditionalist in the aspect. It's like finish what you start. Uh, and so uh, to Coach Foster, I, I, I understand. I, I definitely get it. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on, on Coach Foster's tweet? I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, college football has changed so much um, in the last – 
honestly, six or seven years. And I was reading some articles about this. And I'm going to talk about this in response to one of the letters and lunch pail thing. But I think um, it's 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 it, it's so hard to comment on it um, because, you know, we've seen the flip side of the coin where somebody may get injured, somebody may get hurt. Um, you know, this team's dealing with a lot. They don't have their coach right now. They have an interim coach and, you know, you win the game against UVA. The bowl game isn't for another month. You're staying in Blacksburg. Maybe you want to get started training. Maybe, you know, you have some nagging injuries or whatever. Um, so, you know, I, I, I never try to tell somebody else what to do, um, with their future. Um, but you know, I, I can definitely see both sides. I, I can absolutely see both sides because I'm sitting here, you know, as, Billy Ray, the guy who's not going to be entering the NFL draft and not going to be making millions of dollars yet. Um, so, you know, and I'm like, who the hell is going to play D line coming up here? Who's going to be catching passes? I don't know. Flip side of that is we're going to get some young guys earning an opportunity to get more reps, get more practice, um, and step up, hopefully make some plays. So, um, that's the counter of that and we'll see what happens. Pat, any thoughts on opt-outs or? No, it's uh, it's opt out and transfer portal graphic season. Yes, sir. Who's one got the best favorite? Who's got the best favorite. graphic design artist? Can I be honest? <laughs> one of my favorite tweets today uh, came from Darius Redman, and it was um, it's hilarious. <laughs> it was. I, really I know funny. that everybody put this, but it was uh, it was uh, you know, everybody when they opt out or they transfer at the end, it's god's plan it's like no bro that's your plan (laughs) i thought i thought that was so funny uh because it is i mean a lot of folks i'm all taking taking your own decisions into your own hands and and doing it but a little comedy from uh from from calc from calc knowledge so i definitely uh definitely appreciated that um let's move into the coaching carousel Coastal chaos has in, uh, has infiltrated the postseason. We're going to have four new head coaches in the Coastal. Uh, those four new head coaches, two of them have been decided, two of them have not. Uh, Virginia Tech, if you guys haven't heard or been listening for the last however many minutes we've been recording this podcast, has a new coach. His name is Brent Pry. Uh, Miami has a new coach as of today in Mario Cristobal. And one of the weirdest, most ass backwards most what the heck uh they were like interviewing mario cristobal the entire time when manny diaz hadn't been fired and it's funny because manny diaz left temple at the altar when he accepted the role and went back to miami um bleh. so he's going to miami and then uh duke i don't know who they're gonna hire virginia i don't know who they're gonna hire uh i think it would be behoove of them to hire uh mr poindexter um but yeah, all of those programs will be having new coaches. And then uh, you look over to the other side, Clemson. We have subtraction by subtraction. A lot of people are going, <laughs> a lot of people are excited because Clemson has lost Brent Venables, the elite. He is an elite defensive coordinator. He is going to Oklahoma. And they also lost their athletic director. I believe his name is Radkovich. Now, uh, Pat, what's up? Brent Venables. Is Brent Venables the best? defensive coordinator in college football right now or not right now a week ago when he was you know not the head coach at Oklahoma 
a week ago? I don't think so. He's probably, I would say he's top three. If you go look at, at like where Clemson's defense was when Dabo took over, like, I think it's very, like, I find it very hard to say definitively somebody is the best when you have different conferences, different players, recruiting, this, that, and the other. I say, like, point blank, he's an elite defensive coordinator, like, in the top 5%. But uh, are you going to zag it? Do you have some sort of No, no. I'm I'm just going to look up how many times he's won the Broyles Award, uh, which is given to the top assistant in college football. It looks like he just has won it one time, 2016. Bud Foster won the Broyles Award in 2006. Yeah. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, no I wasn't going to zag. I was just curious because I know his name has come up so many times yeah. um, all over the place. And, you know, he has roots. He's been uh, – he was the um, – he was on the defensive staff at Oklahoma for, you know, over 12 years. So definitely can understand yeah. why he wanted to go back there. Yeah. It's gonna I, be interesting too. Go ahead, Grayson. No, no, no. You go ahead, man. Finish that thought. I was just going to say, it's going to be interesting with Clemson too, because Tony Elliott's name is going to be circling around with other coaching opportunities. He's been sure. a guy that's been kind of circled for a long time. Uh, could he take the Duke job? Could there be another, uh, another job that opens up? Like, look, jobs are going to be opening up for the next couple of weeks. Like there are teams that have coaches right now that will not be there and they will be open again. I've never seen a coaching carousel like this. It's, it's crazy. Um, and Tony Elliott is going to be one of the names, the, the, the list of coaches that you want to hire. If your program is getting shorter and shorter and shorter and Tony Elliott is on that list. So, you know, Clemson has a lot of work to do a lot of work. Speaking to do of, uh, they're not competing for a championship or a coastal championship or an ACC championship. Speaking of Tony Elliott, Tony Elliott is one of five coaches who has been a recipient of the Broyles Award. So Tony Elliott has received the Broyles Award. He won it in 2017. Uh, Brent Venables won it in 2016. Um, But yeah, only five Broyles Award recipients did not go on to be head coaches in college football. Um, The other ones, Jim Herman from Michigan in 97. Uh, John Chavis from LSU, who uh, also coached at Arkansas and Tennessee and A&M. And then Joe Brady. We all know Joe Brady. Joe Brady is no longer the OC for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Pat ran him out of town. Well, I ran him out. You know, we this town was not big enough for the two of us. Joe Brady said, I can't I can't be with the Sons of Saturday here in Charlotte. I got to get out of here. Um, who knew? Who knows where he's going to go? But um, and Bud, Bud has to be on that list as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't say Bud, but Bud, 2006, never became a head coach. You guys know that. But, um, yeah, so the Broyles Award has been going on for 24, 25 years, since 96. Every other recipient has been a head coach at some point. So it's kind of a a telltale thing that if they win that award, they might become a head coach one day. Grayson, thoughts on Mario Cristobal to Miami? Yeah, um, well, first off, I had no idea that Mario Cristobal played there. Uh, so I, I kind of wondered, I'm like, why did they go after him? I understand. Obviously, he's been a great coach at the University of Oregon, which I still think is one of the premier jobs in uh, in college football, even though they share the notion with the Hokies that they have zero national championships. Um, what he did there was admirable. You know, he won the Rose Bowl with Justin Herbert a couple of years back. Um, also, just one on the Brent Venables front, I got a lot of Clemson Tiger fans who were – panicking right now and i'm rubbing my hands together just like yes panic scream (laughs) i hope you're terrified 
you know, you had to assume that one of these days, one of these carousels would rotate around, I guess, far enough to where Venables would become a head coach. Uh, he used to be at Oklahoma. He's been in Norman. Uh, he was their defensive coordinator there uh, prior to coming to Clemson. Um, you know, he hasn't been the greatest. He obviously didn't have a, the greatest season this season, but I, I, I definitely think about just – the dominance of Clemson's defenses over the past six to seven years. Uh, you think of the 2016 defense with Ben Bulware and Christian Wilkins and that national championship. And then in 2018, uh, you know, you guys have, there's guys like James Skalski and he pulled KJ Henry. That was a huge five-star recruit. We tried to get uh, and thought we had a shot, but then he committed to Clemson. Um, you know, Venables is a solid recruiter always has been, and he's put some phenomenal defenses out uh, that, you know, they always say offense wins games, defense wins championships, and he's the reason why Clemson has two national championships in the last five years. Um, so with that being said, you know, it really makes you wonder. I, I imagine Dabo is going to have an answer of some kind, but it ain't going to be Brent Venables. So it, it shakes things up for sure. It shakes things up. I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm really excited about it. I, I love that Clemson's kind of becoming mid. Uh, I, I love it. I, I'm tired of the dynasty there. I want the ACC to be interesting for my own selfish reasons. I want us to be the ones playing on the first Saturday of December. Um, I tweeted that the other night. Watching that ACC championship game just made my blood boil. Um, <laughs> we can talk about that, but... Yeah, man, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting stuff going on in the ACC from a coaching perspective. My only zag on Mario Cristobal is Mario Cristobal is a phenomenal, phenomenal recruiter. Uh, there is no, you know, a lot of people were like, wait, why would he take that job? Is Miami a better job than Oregon? Look, Mario Cristobal played in Miami, like completely understand him taking that job. Oh, I get it. My get thing it. with Cristobal is... I know he's a good recruiter. Is he a good head coach? He was at Oregon, which, you know, they have the uniform, the kind of the hot commodity right now in the trash, all capital trash Pac-12, where nobody cares about football except Oregon and Utah. And that's about it. Um, and he's won two conference titles. So, you know, he's had all the, ta he's had a lot of, ta he's had a lot of talent comparatively <clears throat> in the Pac-12 and you know did pretty well at Oregon Miami's a whole nother beast man I think Miami is a huge challenge from the standpoint of yes they've recently got a new athletic director but it's been a disaster up before then you have I think they have 68 or 58 uh, board of uh, board of trustees they have former players who are extremely outspoken I have no idea who's in charge of Miami no clue I have no idea what's going on over there um <clears throat> but the state of Florida in terms of football is a disaster and it would be better for it would be behoove of college football for those teams to be better. There are a lot of I'm hoping with this coaching carousel, some of these teams that make college football great can become competent again. Um, looking at you, USC, yep. Florida, Florida State, Miami. I'm looking at us. I'm looking in the mirror. Can we be good at college football again? So I'm hoping some <laughs> of these teams can figure some of this stuff out. It would behoove of us. That's this. Second time I've heard you say behoove. I don't it think I've ever, I don't know if you've ever, <laughs> it I'm, would be behoove of everybody. 
Uh, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's uh, that's how it it's supposed to be used, but it's um, how I use it. I love it. This. I love it. I'm, <laughs> I'm 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 cracking up. It would be hoove of you. I don't think that's a thing. I uh, it's like I just, a vindication. So you got to say it with some vindiction. The uh, the bill the billionary um, is needs uh, work. Very bad. <laughs> no, dude, it's it a, needs it's a, it's a, work. It's a work in progress every day, man. We're, you we're, you we're, got we're, me. You got me saying on the dossier. It's on the docket. My old man gives me so much crap for that. <laughs> how about how about when uh, how about when Grayson is you know running through some people's last names, might be botching their names, and then Billy's like, dude, you got to say it with vindiction. Yeah, <laughs> is not a word. Is. But, but you know what? If you didn't call me out on it, there would have been people. There would have been sons and daughters out there saying vindiction in their you know TPS reports, and they'd be like, "What does that mean?" It's like, "Oh, I heard Billy say it." We're there. We're out. We're out at dinner before the. We're we're <laughs> out to lunch. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're out to lunch. The, the game uh, in Brooklyn, and I say to Billy's dad, "I was like, hey, is is vindiction a word?" Like. He's like, no, son, conviction. The word is conviction. Um, yeah, because I kind of threw him under the bus after that, but I guess I heard it wrong or wasn't paying attention. So anyway, um, moving on. Uh, in conference championship Saturday, I just wanted to <clears throat> pat myself on the back again. I've been trying to tell everybody forever, Alabama's going to beat the hell out of Georgia. That is what happened. Um, Georgia, little brother syndrome. It's going to be like that. It's the way that it is. Uh, Alabama handled business. <clears throat> we saw Utah won the Pac-12. Baylor won the Big 12 over Oklahoma State. I predicted that as well. And then uh, Michigan. Michigan finally gets the job done and defeats the big bad wolf in Ohio State and wins. No, Michigan beat Iowa. I'm sorry. They beat Michigan. I beat Ohio State a couple weeks ago, and then beat Iowa, one of the more incompetent and boring football teams I have ever seen. Um, but they won the Big Ten. So happy for happy for Jim Harbaugh. Did anybody have anything to take away from conference championship weekend? Any thoughts? Any? What do we? What do we think? I and I hate to open up this can of worms, but what do we think about Kenny Pickett's run where he fake slid? Is this where, can I talk for like two minutes? I, I can talk for 10, but here's, yeah. here's the thing. Kenny Pickett has, if I'm Kenny Pickett, I'm, I'm frankly, I'm pissed because Kenny Pickett has broken Dan Marino's records. Kenny Pickett has won more games at, <clears throat> has just put together the best season that Pittsburgh has had in 40 years. He's thrown for 4,319 yards and 42 touchdowns. They win the conference championship, but no. His Heisman moment was taking advantage of a soft rule to protect the quarterback by fake sliding and scoring a touchdown in a blowout game. This Heisman, that just goes to show you how wide open this Heisman conversation is. First of all, if I'm picking the Heisman, it's going to Alabama's quarterback because I don't know if you watch the SEC championship. He played miraculously. I don't have a problem with Kenny Pickett. I think it was smart of him. To, it was very behoove of him to take advantage of that. That rule. ain't it. That ain't uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> the point. The point is, it, it was smart of him to take advantage of the rule. But it was like, um, I guess the best comparison I can make is like a 
like messing with your windup in baseball, it's kind of like frowned upon, but I mean, I guess that's legal. You can do that. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it was what it was. I wish he would have slid again and like a safety would have taken his head off because they're like, look, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do here. So th- that was my thought on it. People were, people were acting like he invented the slam dunk or like he, you know, threw the first, first forward pass in the history of football. I mean, he Let's be honest, you know, you know, I understand like the, the rule, like the implications of you start to slide, the defender is taught to come off of that so you don't get the penalty. I understand that. I'll put it this way. Selfishly, if I'm a Virginia Tech fan and Braxton Burmeister makes that run, I'm like, that is cold as ice and the coolest thing I've ever seen since Michael Vick did it. And so, I mean, like, but I understand at the same time, like a rule has got to be tweaked a little bit there uh because you know if you're teaching defenders to come off of it and you know to not get the 15 yard targeting penalty or what have you or the late hit 15 yard penalty he doesn't score there and then he just slides but then again you look at the final score and you're like they beat their ass anyway so what does I it have matter? No problem with the play yeah. yeah i have a problem with people acting like this is his heisman moment Fair, like, you know, that's that's also the case. Like that's that's also the case. ludicrous. It's ludicrous crap. Pat, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the guy threw for over 40 touchdowns in his Heisman moment. It's going to be, you know, a run where he faked out defenders who, I mean, imagine if you were one of those defenders. Like, how is your week going right now? Where Did they get juked out or did they do what the rules are telling them yeah. to do? <laughs> you know, like college football in 2021, if you are a linebacker or a safety you really are just walking on eggshells, mm-hmm. you know, the entire time out there because yeah. this is targeting, that's targeting, this, that, and the other is targeting. It's it's completely unfair to the defensive players. So I, I just, you know, I mean, I'm not going to blame Kenny Pickett because you no. know, he, he made a play that there's no rule against that. It's just something that, you know, at, when the NCAA does their evaluation of the 2021 season, they might say, hey, if you do a fl- fake slide, you might – draw a penalty because safety is first, but also, you know, that could just totally change the outcome of a game. Sure. So, you know, some good games here, some good games there. The one conference championship that we can always talk about is Virginia tech winning the Virginia conference championship, beating UVA a few weeks ago, winning that trophy. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I talked about it probably, you know, 45 minutes ago on this episode, Derek Jones, out here, breaking news, live tweeting. What a great day of recruiting in, quote, our state, end quote, with Coach Sean Quinn, J.C. Price, and Coach Pry LBU. Quotes, it's a great time to be a Hokie, end quote. With, <laughs> he posted a, a picture of the state of Virginia. So I'm going to stand by uh, loving the social media um Prowess. Prowess. Uh, Coach Coach Derek Jones, the cheetah. The cheetah is running around the state of Virginia all week, and I absolutely love it here. Virginia Conference Champions. Um, Heck yeah. So turn on your turn on the coaches' tweet notifications. It's time. It's time. It's time. We're telling you. You can miss out on some top-tier content. Um, We're going to move into our last segment here, second to last segment, Letters from the Lunch Pail, uh, brought to you by Sharkies. Uh, it's where good friends go. It's where our label is on the cups. It's where you get great wings. They have great salad, um, great burgers. Um, 
Go on down. Have a good time. And some of the coldest beer in Blacksburg. There you some go. of the coldest beer in Blacksburg. Some of the coldest beer in Blacksburg. Um, first question. Dave Willis. We had some great questions this week, by the way. Thank you, everybody. Dave Willis, lower tier bowl game trend. Is it me or does it seem that there has been a growing trend in recent years of starting players opting out of participating in bowl games? I understand the reasoning and don't necessarily begrudge them for it. However, the net effect is closing in on a glorified scrimmage. It can garter to justify the logistics and experiences of family traveling to bowl games when they're turning into glorified scrimmages. Thoughts? Go Hokies. Love this question, Dave. Um, I want to give a couple of thoughts. First of all, this trend really started it. I want you guys to hold me honest. I think the first like huge player uh, that ended up, up opting out of a game was Christian McCaffrey uh, when he offered uh, opted out at Stanford. Um, and, you know, it's kind of set a precedent when you look at it from the player's perspective, you get an additional month of training, you get an additional month of healing, you get an additional month of getting ready for, uh, the draft. And then you look at it from the perspective of, look, you've been through it with this team for a long time. Uh, you want to see it through, you want to compete. Um, you know, it definitely is a factor of, folks that evaluate you. Uh, I've heard from people that, um, and you can even read that, you know, some folks may look poorly upon players deciding to opting out at the end of the day, it's their decision. It's the age of player empowerment. That's the way that it is. I want to make this into a larger discussion. One, I think there should be a deadline for players electing to opt out. I don't know how they can enforce that, but a player technically can decide to opt out of the bowl game the morning of the bowl game. Now they're not going to do that, but from a coaching perspective, you'd want to know who's available, what the situation is. So uh, I, I'd like to get some kind of uh, figure something out about that. And then this is just me complaining about something that I know is it, it's going to happen. It's not going to change. It's never going back to this because money and that's it. The playoff is a large reason why we're here. The playoff expanding has devalued other bowl games. Now is six and six Virginia tech going to a bigger bowl game. If there's no playoff, no, but you look at some of these higher profile folks. And as you expand the playoff into eight or 12 teams, you are devaluing every other bowl game that there is outside of the playoff. So this is part of my argument against the playoff. When you expand this playoff to eight to 12 teams, I'm telling you here is going to be some of the issues that you're going to see, because in my opinion, the playoff has kind of birthed the opt-out era. That has been a large outcome. You can go ahead and look, the opt-outs have started and grown since moving to the 14 playoff thing. You're going to see opt-outs increase. And you're also going to see conference championship teams sitting players. Think about how great, this football weekend was last week, watching the Big 12 championship, watching the SEC championship, Pac-12, all of this. When you allow 12 teams to compete and you have two or three lost teams competing for a chance to be in the national championship, Oklahoma State's not really going to give a hoot if they're if they're beating Baylor. Baylor's probably not going to care either because they're also going to be in. Georgia and Alabama, are you going to see those two teams competing at the level that they competed at if they know that both teams are going to get into the playoff and it just comes down to seeding? So that is my argument against the playoff. It devalues the regular – in my opinion, the regular season is the best thing about college football because every game is supposed to matter. 
And you're, that is just kind of one of the outcomes that you're going to see from a 12-team playoff. Anybody else have anything to say? But I, I could cr- I could just crap on the playoff as a whole. I guess I just kind of got – I had to get that off of my chest. But, yes, I, I mean, I understand it from the player's perspective. Um, I don't love it, but it is what it is. Pat, go ahead. If you opt out of the bowl game, does that mean you are – exempt from receiving all of the bowl game gifts that the bowls give out. For example, you know, the Belk Bowl, RIP Belk Bowl, hashtag, we still love the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, Did they just get a bunch of mayonnaise? Yeah, like, like just crates of mayonnaise. Like, is there any special kinds of mayo that they get? Shout out to our friends at the Charlotte Sports Foundation. But, um, you know, Jeremy Sprinkle. Remember he shoplifted on the belt yeah. trip? You know, let's say Jeremy actually opted out of the bowl game. Does he get that belt trip? I do not believe so. I think if you if you opt out, you're you're just not going on the trip. And all of that stuff is done at the trip. So if you have a gift suite, if you know you're going on a shopping spree, that's all usually done. Um Pro and then tip. Also, when you Pro opt out, make make a bowl game in Florida. So it's an incentive to go to Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, so no, they're not going to be receiving any of that. Um, But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I'm going to go. I think, I think I I agree with you. It is a glorified scrimmage. That's just what it is. If you're in one of these lower tier bowl games, but think of it more, Hey, you get to get the family together on the holidays, go see some other Hokies, go to a destination spot and watch some football. So that's how I look at it. You know, we may win, we may lose by 50, but I'm going to be in the city hanging out with friends and um, go to the game. So that's, that's, that's kind of my expectations. Um, We'll go a little bit quicker with these uh, other ones here. Uh, Al Jones had a couple UMD beat West Virginia in week one. What will the Hokies uh, 30 to 24? What will the Hokies have to do to win in the Terps statue of Liberty? Um, I think that was an emoji. I think that was yeah. an emoji. That, that, oh, that, that is an emoji. Up. Okay. The copy and paste doesn't <laughs> do it. Uh, what will the Hokies have to do to win, uh, to beat the Terps? Look, I, I don't know who's opted in for Maryland. I don't know who's opted out. I haven't really looked, watched a lot of Maryland. Um, so we'll see. I, I, again, I have no idea who's playing D line. I have no idea who's playing wide receiver. Um, Talia Tagovailoa. I remember watching the, uh, the condensed game of the Maryland West Virginia game earlier this year. And they have talented playmakers at the skilled positions. Uh, I think they, yeah, I mean, they scored 30 points on West Virginia. That's more than we scored on West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we'll have a preview podcast for that, obviously. But, um, you know, shut down Talia T. Um, what should be looked at slash fixed with the men's basketball team? Uh, popcorn. I <laughs> popcorn emoji. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think I'd like to see, I get, look, <laughs> we have a hokey hoops podcast They're, they're They kind of go into basketball a little bit deeper than us. I guess my only thing is I'd like to see a little bit more aggression from McKevy Aluma. We need to be able to get the ball in the paint with our point guards. I think Sean Padula is going to end up getting some more minutes here in the future. And I'd like to see more David Gasson. I think he's very athletic. Uh, I like, you know, his length. So I'd like to see a little bit more of him, but look, at the end of the day, I trust coach young. I, I I think this roster just has some growing up to do and, and we'll see. They better grow up fast because ACC basketball is here. ACC it's coming. It's coming quick. Yeah. So um, if it isn't announced before the recruiting, who realistically should Duke be looking at to replace Cutcliffe slash be a good f- fit? It, it has to be Tony Elliott, right? I mean, 
there's a couple, I guess, will Healy be a good fit is a good question mark because yeah. what are the goals for the Duke university football program? You know, yeah. like you talk about late nineties, two thousands, they were just in the dumpster throughout before coach Cutliffe got there. Cutcliffe mm-hmm. got there, you know, Duke game on your schedule, automatic 41 to 11, not 11, 41 to 17 win for Virginia tech. Like you chalk it up. We're winning one HC game this year. That's essentially a buy. Um, the Duke game. And this is when they still had the track around Wallace Wade's uh, field. And then they, they made the nice renovations. But yeah. what are Duke's expectations? What is Duke trying to do? Because Coach Cut brought them to kind of their peak of this era. Chick- you know, with- Texas A&M in, in the, uh, was that the Sugar Bowl? They oh were my in- gosh, Chick-fil-A Bowl. It was an unbelievable game. That was, now that Johnny was- Johnny Manziel. That was the year that Duke won the Coastal, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I want to say it was 2015 where they beat us in, in four overtimes and they go toe-to-toe with Johnny Football. You know, they have Daniel Jones as their quarterback, you know, who goes six overall. Um, people will go to Duke. Duke is a place that you can recruit athletes, you know, but it's not necessarily – I don't know. I honestly have no. This it's is got to be one or six or seven games. I here's here's my thing. I think they're not. I'm going to be honest. I mean, you, you you go down to Duke. I went down to Duke for the game in 2018. You talk to their fans tailgating in the parking lot. They're all very friendly, but they don't care about football, and they'll tell you that. They're like, yeah. eh, I can't wait for basketball season. The hire that they are concerned about right now, it ain't the football program. It's who's replacing Mike Shashevsky. That's. That's what they're thinking about. Let's be honest. That's what they yeah, care about. Yeah. Lots uh, of turnover in there. Lots yeah. Of yeah. A lot of a lot of big changes happening down there in uh in Durham. Um, but yeah, again, you know, I mean, would Tony Elliott even go there? I mean, mm-hmm. just, that's that's another thing. Um it's just kind Elliott, of the Charles Huff. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'm assuming Coach Huff is going to get a look from uh, from Virginia. Yeah, there is already a a, a done deal. Um, Here's a question: How much better is the Virginia job than the Duke job? I think it's better. I I think it's actually I think it's a lot better, man. Think, if I'm being I, honest, yeah, I think I think there's more money that is like Duke and Virginia both have money. I think Virginia is more willing to put money towards football than a school like Duke would be. Um, Duke doesn't care if they're good at football because right. they have basketball. UVA wants to be good at football. Right. Um, they want to be good at football so they can, you know, finally brag about winning a championship in that sport because no one really goes to bat to argue for their, you know, rowing crew championship. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, look, at the end of the day, a head coaching gig is a head coaching gig, especially at a power five school. Um but if, 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 if offered both jobs, I mean, I, I think the road to success is much easier at the university of Virginia than it is at Duke. Um, no question about it. So, uh, but probably, be probably, probably a silly question, but yeah. like to okay. talk about it. It's okay. No stupid questions, silly questions. Yes, but no stupid questions. Um, Brian Holbrook asks, this is our last one. It's kind of funny. Uh, I can't answer it. I'll let you guys no, know. No, we got one from Chris Givens. What are your thoughts on the state of college football, oh, specifically about the massive coaching contracts being signed? Riley, Brian Kelly, Billy Napier. Billy Napier is getting like eight or seven million a year. Dude has not sniffed, you know, 
I mean, that's insane. Mario Cristobal, Mel Tuck, the Mel Tucker thing is just crazy. I mean, James Franklin's extension was wild. Um, He's the one who set off the 10 year contract thing. He was the first one. Yeah. It is absolutely crazy because listen, Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, Billy Napier, James Franklin, Mario Cristobal, and Mel Tucker. Some of these guys are not going to pan out. And these donors are going to be on the hook for these dozens of million dollar buyouts. Um, you know, I don't know the I don't know the buyout for each of these contracts, but I'll tell you what, it's it's probably a lot bigger than what Coach Fuentes was at, at 10 million that got no, negotiated down to 8.75. Um, it's an arms race. It has been an arms race for the last, you know, decade or so now. But this is get it. I mean, just it's like gross. a lot of things, just gross. like a lot of things in college football, this is getting out of control. It's um, gross. It's, 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 it's gross. gross. It really is, bro. Like it, it's yeah. the end of the day, college football coaches are salesmen. Um, and look, congrats. Like that's sick. Happy for you. Um, but I mean, they can also, I mean, that's not necessarily true. They can coach the X's and O's like sure, not- sure. I, I, what, I, what I'm, what I'm saying is this, this whole business just comes off as very sleazy and, and it, it's, it's insane how much money some of these coaches are making. I think coach freeze is making uh, $4 million a year and he just won seven games at Liberty. Um, so, you know, I don't, I'm blown away by some of these contracts. I was talking to um, I was talking to one of my coworkers today, and he had a great point. He said, "How many schools in uh, everybody wants to say that you know Nick Saban, nobody can pay Nick Saban whatever it would cost to employ him? How many schools in the SEC or in the state of Florida are paying more money if you add together their current coach and their uh, buyout coaches that it would cost to employ Nick Saban?" Think about uh, Auburn is still paying Gus Malzahn and they're paying their current coach. If you added those salaries together, you'd probably get yourself a Nick Saban. If you take Florida state has like three coaches on their payroll right now. It's just, it's, 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 it's nuts. It's, it's nuts that these contracts are being signed. And I would be shocked to see how many of these 10 year contracts actually end up being fulfilled for 10 years, whether they get fired, whether they leave, whatever it's out of control. It's out of control. It's gross. It is what it is, but also Getting sick and tired of people saying, oh, man, Brian Kelly, he's such a bad guy. He did it the wrong way. Look, Brian Kelly, not by many accounts, a great dude, probably not a ton of fun to sit with at Thanksgiving. But uh, every single one of you probably that are listening to this podcast would probably accept that job if given the opportunity to make $100 million in 10 years. Don't hate the uh, don't hate the player, hate the game. That's the way that it is. And then also – he didn't have to go back to Notre Dame to talk to everybody. He went back. He spoke. Shouldn't have been recorded. Hated that somebody recorded it. But, you know, it, it's just the name of the game, man. Nobody has ever left a school to take another job the quote-unquote right way. Who's done it the right way? Nobody. There's no William right Kiffin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. There's, there's, there's no right Jim, way to do it. Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo yeah. Fisher. Remember? Yeah, Francois put out a tweet. He said, dang, no text, no call, nothing. <laughs> yeah. He had the uh the massive Christmas tree out on his front lawn, like two <laughs> like literally at two hours after Christmas yeah. ended. Yeah. So, um that was before Christmas. It was like 10 or 12 days before Christmas. Just nutty. Um didn't even the get last to finish one, his 
didn't even get to finish his advent calendar, you know? No. Those no. private jets, they fly fast, man. I got to tell you. <laughs> uh, Brian Holbrook, better 100% authentic country accent. A, B, R, M, B, Brian Kelly. Billy Ray Mitchell, and I'll tell you why. Billy Ray's old man went to Ole Miss. So he's got a little, he's got a little bit of, you know, hotty toddy Southern authenticity there. Brian Kelly is from Massachusetts. <laughs> Get the hell out of here. I right? hated that. It was like, really I, look, I've been defending Brian. Look, oh, man. As as someone who is very proud of the way that he talks and has a little southern twang in his voice. That pissed me off. Literally, we were talking in the family group chat about it. Just like, what the hell was that? Just be just I would my appreciate family. it more. My my family. I, shout out to oh, Joey Molinero. Joey Molinero from Barstool. He did like the whole uh the oh, Nick man. Saban. He his Nick Saban is the best Nick Saban impression in the history of Nick Saban yeah. impressions for the record. And Owen Wilson uh, but, too. Yeah, and then he's out here doing like, well, I do declare Mr. Saban. It's like <laughs> shut up, Brian Kelly. Like, come yeah. on. Brutal. Brutal. Just be yourself, man. Just be yourself. I think they're in good hands with Marcus Freeman for sure. When I'm up north, yeah. I, I love New York City. I don't go up to New York like, so listen, like, when, when, when am I getting a slice of pie around here? It's like, it's like, like I'm not doing that. Even out here in California, people are like, you ain't from around here. I'm like, damn right, I'm not. Proud of it. Great. Great. If you don't like that, don't ever hang out with Billy Ray in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> The assimilation. It's the town, dude. I'm sorry. When in Rome. When, when in Rome, Rome do as. When yeah. in Rome, dude. No, Bill's, um, Bill's, Bill's dad's from what? Southeast Louisiana? Southwest Louisiana? Southwest Louisiana, dude. Slidell, L.A. Wow. Um, go. So, gumbo. Gumbo. Hey, you got that gumbo. That's pretty good, Pat. Not I bad. Have, That's I good. Do have a couple, I do have a couple of uncles that actually sound like that. Um, so. <laughs> Gravelly, Cocho, Cajun voices. There you go. <laughs> you guys will need to meet my uncle doc someday just meet um, your brother bill but, he's uh, got a southern that role. does it billy's wi-fi has been pretty bad on this episode <laughs> pretty bad on this episode <laughs> sorry fellas. He- sorry 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 <laughs> um but yeah we'll wrap it up with uh with sharky shout outs i got uh i got i got some steak salad outside so um i'll shout out uh the i'm excited to go back to new york i'm excited for the pinstripe bowl and um, excited, excited to turn the page from this. I hate to say it, another season in a row. I'm excited to turn the page on this 2021 football season. So, shout out to the future. Love that. Shout out to my guy Richard Snelling, my man, former coworker. Saw him outside of uh, outside of Scott Stadium after that big dub. Uh, so wanted to catch up and. Uh, Give a shout out to Richard. Good catching up with you, my friend. And shout out to the Prudens on a beautiful wedding. Beautiful couple. Gray, who you got? Shout out to Coach Bry. I wish you all the best. Can't wait to, to shake your hand and say go Hokies. Um, oh. Derek yeah. Jones' jacket, too. Yeah, Jer- yeah, shout out to Jared Jones' jacket. It was fire. Absolutely. That's all I got. All right, boys. All right, guys. We'll be back. So, actually, breaking news here for you. We'll be inter- interviewing Benji Gosnell. That is the next thing that will uh, be hitting your uh, timeline. We'll be inter- in- interviewing Benji Gosnell, talking about his commitment uh, and his relationship with the new coaching staff, and also a former player, uh, linebacker, All-American. You guys will 
um, figure out who that is from Penn State and talking about his familiarity with Coach Pry. Coach Pry. So uh, stay tuned. And we will uh, talk to you guys soon. To wander, tripping in the sand. We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand. But I saw you dance like you want to in my head. And all that she said is, Oh, I know what you're thinking. Dude.